0: dinosaurs everybody welcome to the 75th episode of the mary and tom show i'm tom
1: i'm mary
0: this is our show yep now this time we're answering questions from our listeners and we have a lot of questions so we're gonna hit the ground running well not hit the ground because that that would hurt
1: okay first question tim allen asks how long will we have to wait before we get a game that includes Monster.
0: And we actually already have a game that includes Monster. That was the Sue line. She's on the priority deal card. Now, a more important question is when when is Claus going to get a card in, in one of these games? When? I, I don't know yet. I mean, probably the next train game.
1: He doesn't want to wait that long. Yeah, he's pretty sure he needs to be on something now.
0: Well, I don't know what would... An-
1: Antony and Cleopatra.
0: And they did like Cats in Egypt, but we kind of already printed the counter sheet, changing, you That's know... That's a
1: counter sheet, though. He wants to be on a card.
0: But the cards for that game are just like provinces.
1: So he can be on a card anyway. He he, he can have his own province. There you go. All
0: right, we're gonna delay releasing the game. Order, <laughs> order, order these one card with with claws on it, but get enough in bulk and then and put them in. Is that the plan? Pro-
1: yeah, that that sounds good. That that that'd probably work.
0: Well, you know, we thought this game, the uh, Anthony Clear would will be coming out the week that you're listening to this, but it might not now. It might be a few more weeks because because of this.
1: Andrew Brown asks, Tom has mentioned the politics and finance structure of Michigan during his interview on Five Games for Doomsday. Would he consider making a game about this? Would you?
0: Maybe. I don't know. I would really need to have an angle on it and find a way to make it interesting because a, a lot of what I was... Kind of briefly alluding to is the interaction of different amendments and proposals that create kind of a systemic uh, situation where Michigan cities are underfunded. How to include that in a game or center a game on that, I'm not sure how I would. It's kind of boring. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure how to make it interesting. Interesting, yeah.
1: Trevor Kavarin asks How likely is it Tom will do a game on the suffrage movement? Do you think it would be mechanically similar to This Guilty Land?
0: Um, It's certainly something that I've thought about, uh, particularly when I was researching This Guilty Land and seeing how the two movements kind of intersected and intertwined and and fed into each other. I don't know if I would do it anytime soon or not.
1: I was looking forward to the suffragette one. Well, You were talking about it quite a bit, and I was like, yeah, let's do it.
0: Well, it's still, you know, on the list, but I don't know what the scope of it would be exactly if it would just be the the suffrage movement uh, or if it would just be something a bit broader in scope. Uh, because, I mean, really, uh, the struggle for equality, I mean, it's not over yet. It's still with us, and...
1: Gee. <laughs> There's an insight. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it's kind of an obvious thing, but then there are people who might listen to this and say, "What are you talking about?" And I I, I mean, it it is still there are still a lot of inequalities that women face uh, that other marginalized groups face, and you know, to do a game just on suffrage on that particular struggle, which which has a you could call it a happy ending in that the rights to vote, the right to vote for women, was attained. At the same time, it's very short-sighted, I think, to do a game about what's basically the struggle for equality and end it there, uh, because it it doesn't have an ending yet. It's complicated, and my thoughts about it are complicated. It don't take me a while to sort them out, and I also wonder if I would be the right person to do a game on that subject because i i am a dude and uh this is true yeah now i felt comfortable doing this guilty land despite the fact that i'm you know a a white man because it wasn't so much about the lived experience or 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 the struggle as it was about the systemic factors that allowed Uh, oppression and slavery to continue and that's something where I felt my voice was useful I don't know how useful my voice is in making a game about women's rights that might be somewhere where a a woman's voice is more appropriate Uh, but if I do do it I probably will use some of those mechanics of this guilty land but I'm not sure how similar it it would be because again I'm not sure of the scope of it yet the game i'm working on now the kind of social issue game i don't think it's be very similar mechanically to this guilty land at all but i'm still in the research phase still in the getting depressed reading about it phase uh about a game uh on a game about the tobacco industry
1: trevor has another question but uh i'd just like to ask how's the shackleton one coming i was looking forward to the suffrage one and shackleton
0: I mean, they're still both on the list, Shackleton. I've done more research on, and I have more of an idea of how what shape it's going to take, but I haven't like gotten down the brass tacks on it yet,
1: okay, let's get to uh Trevor's second question with two under your belt, did you find publishing abstracts more or less or different of a challenge from the rest of your catalog
0: i think I think it's different. I think we don't have quite the same penetration with that audience as we do with the war games and the kind of weird economic games. Sometimes it's hard to get people to buy an abstract game.
1: It's very hard to get people to buy abstract games from us.
0: Well, I think it's hard in, in, general, in general anyway. Yeah,
1: They don't they don't come looking for abstract games uh, from Hollenspiel. We're not their first choice.
0: Part of the, the benefit of our model is that we can take a chance on something like that. If we're excited about something. Which we did. Yeah.
1: We can just do it. Other companies can't, but we can.
0: I think one challenge with those kinds of games is, you know, you really need the wood bits.
1: You also need a mounted board. They're used to mounted boards.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right there. uh, That the, um, the component quality they're looking for isn't necessarily what we can provide. They're nice wood bits, but, you know, we can't put a mounted board in there. And if you ask someone to pay... $30, $35 for an abstract game, they want a lot more there.
1: Steve Carey asks, do you plan on releasing another train game this year or next?
0: I have two train games that I'm working on. They would probably be coming out next year, one of them, if not both of them, just because they take time to develop and test. One is for two players only. And it's kind of a shenanigans game. Basically taking free money to start companies and build track. And you run the companies to the ground and then abscond with money and do it again. Uh, So that's the two-player game. It's about the uh, history of early railroads in the lower peninsula of Michigan. And then I have another one I'm working on, uh, which is more systemic. So it's more like a game system or series idea that uh, we'd be able to exploit with map uh, expansions, basically, you know, with new rules for this map or that one.
1: Here's a related question from Chris Smith. John Bohrer sent out an email stating that this could be the last year for the Winsome Essence Sets. Is this a hole Beale would have any interest in filling considering Tom's contributions to Winsome over the years?
0: This is actually a question that we've we've gotten quite a bit uh, in the last month or so. And I mean, we have published a train game. We have a couple more on the docket that we're planning to publish. Um, Shu Line did well for us. Shu Line
1: did really well.
0: It's because monsters on the card. Yeah, I think so. You know,
1: now if claws had also been on a card, oh my god, everybody yeah. would have a copy of it.
0: Yeah, like what does it mean to to, to fill the to, the niche of of winsome? I mean, we're not we wouldn't be doing like essence sets. We wouldn't be doing. bunch of train games each year and really winsome has had still has his own identity and we have our own identity and um certainly you'd be interested in publishing more train games
1: yeah oh definitely
0: but i i don't know if um really would be to be very winsome-like necessarily I mean, right now we're not looking for train games. And it's not something we're looking to add to our production pipeline, which is uh, pretty full at the moment.
1: Joseph Bottoms asks, What do you see as the future of Hollenspiel? You have always stressed how happy you are with your current model and how it works for you. But do you ever see yourself as being anything other than a print-on-demand war games company? Possibly, but we're not there yet. We're still in a print-on-demand stage right now.
0: And the thing about print-on-demand is that it reduces our risk a lot uh, while allowing us to do the kind of games we want to do. If we did something like Kickstarter, and we mentioned this before, a lot of our games are not very kickstarterable. don't resonate with enough people to raise enough money to publish them in a traditional way. And because doing the weird, offbeat stuff has worked for us so well, I know in my design work I've gone further and further in that direction, I don't see us adopting a model anytime soon that would bring on that additional financial risk or require us to aim for a broader audience. But the whole thing, we've always been been playing by ear. Yep. Just doing what works and, you know, continuing to do it and trying to stay flexible.
1: That's Um, a big thing. We have to stay flexible.
0: Otherwise, throw out your back. Yeah. You know. Yep. company with throwing out back, that's no good.
1: Not at all. Joseph also asks, what types of cats are your favorites? And what types of cats do you have now? Do you also like dogs? Well, I like dogs. Tom does not like dogs.
0: I like dogs uh, from a distance. From a distance, and yeah. I don't dislike any animals. I, I like animals. I am more of a cat person than a dog person. And I think if I, if I say stuff about dogs, it's more in reaction to dog people saying stuff about cats. If that make sense?
1: I uh, I like uh all animals. I'm. <laughs> Except for people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of people. Claws is a domestic short hair, and Monster is a long-haired uh, tortoiseshell. I'm, I'm not sure if she's um, part Persian or what. She's just long-haired, and she's definitely has. She has tortoiseshell markings.
0: I don't really pay a lot of attention to the breed of of the cat. No, I. Just like all cats, I think all the cats I've had have been, you know, either short hair or long hair. You know, the domestic feline. I haven't had, you know, a a, a Manx or a Maine Coon cat or uh, you know, hairless or anything like that. Um, and you had Siamese cats.
1: Yes, they were tortie point Siamese.
0: And and you said that they're not they weren't as noisy as no, they, Siamese usually are.
1: No, they they were fairly quiet for Siamese.
0: They were smart though.
1: Oh, very smart. They were like people. They were incredibly intelligent. All right. Moving on. Now we have a question from Joe Hardy. Which solo games do you envision releasing in 2019?
0: Well, we have four on the docket and I think at least three of them will be out in 2019.
1: First up will be Escape from Hades.
0: Yes, and that's from uh, Fred Manzo uh, who designed it and developed by Herman Lutman and with art by Will Alhambra. Uh, the art's moving right along. We should have that part of it done pretty soon and then we can uh, you know, get down to getting the game ready for production. Because of all the art that's involved, is costing a lot more art-wise than our other games and, you know, I am a little, I a little apprehensive about that, but I think it's going to do really well. What do you think?
1: I think it's going to do really well.
0: The next one is Stilicho, Last of the Romans, which is a sequel to Robert Dalesky's Wars of Marcus Aurelius. Uh, we're doing playtesting with that now. Like We've opened it up for, for you know broader mm-hmm. testing rather than just our internal testing. If you are listening to this and you are interested in participating in that, you can send us an email
1: hollandspiel at gmail.com.
0: Yes. Uh, And Mary will get you hooked up with the files and uh, get you involved in that process.
1: Yeah, that's a vassal.
0: We're playtesting through vassal.
1: Yeah, we have to let people know that that's a vassal.
0: Yeah. We'll be doing the same thing with vassal playtesting for Brad Smith's next game, which is uh, he did NATO Air Commander for us last year. That game is That Others May Live is the new one, uh, which is about search and rescue in Vietnam. Um, it's very different than NATO Air Commander, but it's a very different situation. So, you know, that makes sense. And we'll be kind of opening up for vassal testing for that as well sometime in the near future. Maybe once we're done with Stilico, I think. Uh, I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of volunteers for that others may live, because we got a lot of volunteers for NATO Air Commander.
1: We sure did. Wow. <laughs> that was a lot of volunteers.
0: Now, all three of those should definitely, definitely, definitely be out this year. The one that may or may not is uh, and Restorer of the World. That's one of my games. It's a solo game in the vein of Charlemagne and Agricola. It, the game is done. The testing is done. Development is done. The game is done. Uh, what it needs is art. And uh, the art for the last two games in that kind of pseudo-series uh, was done by Anya Siakoska, And... We uh, miss you, Anya. We do miss you. So Anya has kind of stopped doing war game art. Um, she's kind of moved on from that. She would. She said that she would like to do Uh, Aurelian. uh So we're going to follow up with her uh, relatively soon to see if she can fit it into her schedule and into her priorities right now. And if she is, then, you know, we are happy to wait for her to be able to do it. Because I I would love to have one more map from Anya.
1: You should start a campaign demanding that Anya comes back.
0: I don't know if that's fair to Anya, but uh, but boy, yeah. I, I mean, she is one of our favorite artists and one of the best artists we have worked with, both not only in the quality of the work, but the quality of the working relationship. The amount of time and energy and detail she puts into it, the research she puts into it, how responsive she is, how seriously she takes to work. It puts her work at a certain level that uh, we really have benefited from. Yeah, we, we really miss you, Anya. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see if she's able to do it or not. And we'll kind of play it by year from there. We have enough games on the schedule that if I push one of mine into next year, you know, that's that's not really a problem. My game's are doing pretty well these days apparently uh my compensation is i get to give you foot rubs so i mean it's a lot cheaper but
1: um when was the last time you gave me a foot rub
0: i'm doing it right now not
1: this year i'm doing it right now not this year (laughs) now we have a question from alexander kalitri do you have a tentative list of games to be released this year
0: we do so we actually made a list that went up on our blog thing uh either end of december early january with about 20 odd games on it we're not going to get all those games out into the world because we had some things kind of throw a spanner in the works uh for our processes uh these last few months and uh kind of slowed us down and then we're kind of getting back up to speed again but you know invariably some things are going to be pushed into the following year uh, that were on that list uh, stuff that's definitely coming out this year, besides the three solo games that I mentioned. Antony Cleopatra is coming out this week, uh, unless uh, I stop to put claws on a card for some reason.
1: I think that's important. That has
0: no gameplay effect whatsoever.
1: It could be a you win card, you know, or, or it could be a win immediately card.
0: That doesn't Get seem that balanced. <laughs> it doesn't seem balanced Cause the other it, cards. Is, is
1: he balanced?
0: No, not really. Because the other cards aren't shuffled. So, I mean, you'd have a deck of one card. Mm -hmm. you draw the card.
1: Yeah. Sounds good to (laughs) him.
0: Yeah. Also coming out in April should be the Horse and Musket Annual. Later this year, we should have two box games in the Horse and Musket series coming out. I don't know uh, if they will both get out or not. We also have two games in the District Commander series uh, that are planned to come out this year from Brian Train. Uh, We have With It or On It, which is um, the first game in the Shields and Swords Ancient Series. That should actually be coming out in May. That's the next game after the Horse and Musket Annual. We have Westphalia coming out at the end of the year. Uh, And then in between, we have uh, the Siege of Ismail game. We have Streets of Shadows, uh, which is a multiplayer game. With, right now, what is the last Anya Siakoska map.
1: At All Costs, did you mention that?
0: At All Costs we have coming out uh, from Tim Taylor with art by uh, Ilya Kujiashov and I'm working on the counters and the cards and going through that process right now. That's what I'm actually working on graphic design wise right now. Uh, so all that should be coming out this year.
1: Okay. Thede Hannington would like to know what your favorite Fritz Lieber story is.
0: That's a hard question to answer. It's going to be a, a, a Fofford and the Mouser story. Definitely. I mean, obviously, uh, I like *Ill Met* uh, in Lankmare. I like uh, The Cloud of Hate. All sorts of fun ones. I I like I like some of the stories more than others because some of the stories, especially when the characters have gotten older, they get a bit creepier and uh, I'm less comfortable with that.
1: <laughs> okay, Thede also asks, any thought of putting some Libra-esque science fiction or fantasy games out?
0: See, that's that's tough because there already is a, a, a Libra-esque... Fantasy game, it's called Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, basically any kind of actual play Dungeons and Dragons feels very much like a Faufar in the Grey Mouser story. You know, in uh, Ilmet in Linkmere, there's a whole scene where they disguise themselves as beggars to break into the Thieves Guild to infiltrate the Thieves Guild. They uh, want to look like they're crippled, so they have their legs tied up and they're using their sword which is all bound up as as crutches and it puts them in this very difficult like this really improvised and puts them in this really difficult situation and things just go more and more wrong i mean that is a D adventure in, in in a book form years before D was a thing and then there's the the one where uh fafford crosses a chasm on skis with fireworks, propelling him across like he's Wile E. Coyote or something. And yeah, that's something character would try to do in D&D. So I think a lot of that spontaneity and uh, a lot of the creepiness of, of the magic in that, the kind of, and this happenedness of it, that works really well in a role-playing game. I don't know how well that works in in a board game necessarily. I don't know how much I'd be willing to try to take something like that on when D&D is already established or he does it that well.
1: Okay, Thede also also asks for an update on Shields and Swords Ancients.
0: Well, uh, the first game in the series will be coming out uh, sometime in May. Uh, It's with it or on it. The game's done. The map art by uh, Mark Mahaffey is done. Uh, We haven't laid out the rulebook yet because we're finishing up the Horse and Musket Annual, but that shouldn't take too long to lay out, I don't think, even though I've given you a lot of footnotes to deal with.
1: Yeah, 5,000 footnotes.
0: They're not 5,000 footnotes.
1: 5,165
0: footnotes. (laughs) That is is completely incorrect. There aren't even that many words. Um, There are, I want to say, 11 footnotes for the rule book and like 28 footnotes for the battle book. That's not that bad. Give or take 5,100. That is not
1: true. (laughs) (laughs) Last question is from Stephen Jacobson, and he has some questions about Barry Lyndon. Is it Tom's favorite film? If not, what is? And what's Mary's favorite film?
0: Uh, I like Barry Lyndon an awful lot. I don't know if any film is my favorite film. There are films I watch a lot. Different films uh, fill different niches for, you know, what I want from a movie experience. Okay,
1: I don't have favorite films either. I really enjoy watching films. I, w- I would say right now my my favorite probably is, and that's in quotation marks, so that's my favorite, in quotation marks there, uh, right now is probably uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I have seen that so many times. But at least a I- hundred.
0: <laughs> I mean, literally at least a hundred.
1: Probably, yeah. I enjoy films from the silent era all the way through now.
0: Well, you know... Film is a big part of what brought us together.
1: It, it is indeed.:
0: Because uh, the first time I met you, that I remember meeting you, uh, you came into the library where I was working, and you were returning um, some books and film and some uh, video cassettes, and we started talking about film that morning for about I don't know half an hour or so. and um, we would continue to talk about film. Uh, over the years and then uh, I invited you to one of my shoots film shoots yeah Mm -hmm. and what I remember about that shoot uh, is there was a scene with the two characters on the couch talking to each other which pretty much was every scene in every film I did up until that point there was a joke with the cast that next time the couch would be on wheels so there would be some movement in, in, in the thing uh, so very dialogue heavy and you know not, not, not very good really honestly no, not very good at <laughs> all but um i was getting a shot which was uh i did a like a shot that was head on with the two of them on the couch and then i went over to the side of the couch to do a shot of the two of them kind of in profile and there was a pillow a throw pillow that had been in the first shot and was in the way in the second shot and i was there with the tripod trying to, to crank it up to get up above the pillow but then the angle was wrong so I was trying to crank it down and tilt it and fussing with it
1: I got frustrated and I moved the friggin pillow.
0: You you, you got up, walked across the room, grabbed the pillow walked back out, without saying a word, without saying "Can I, you said "No." Nope. You, you went and you did it I think I fell in love with you right there I think, I think that's what it was, so I did it um,
1: God that was frustrating <laughs>
0: well it didn't it didn't occur to me to move the pillow you know i thought you know well it was in the other shot i got to keep the continuity going and the thing is once the pillow was gone the way the shot was framed you wouldn't have missed the pillow that's right dinosaurs everybody
1: dinosaurs everybody